text for the sermon this day is taken from Genesis 50, especially these words from Joseph. Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. This is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. To, step, to begin on this passage, this text, we need to step backwards a little bit into the story of Joseph. Joseph, when he was a young man, he was the most beloved of his siblings. His father, Jacob, loved him more, more than his brothers. Now, this seems unfair, but honestly, most parents, if they really were honest, they probably do have a favorite child. I've, at least that's what I've been told by other parents. So, not that you go, don't be poor. If you have any children, it's not you, don't do that. So, but we all, many parents have their favorite child, just as Jacob did. He loved Joseph specifically because his mother was Rachel. But furthermore, Joseph made things more difficult because he had these dreams. Now, he didn't choose to have these dreams. God gave them to him. And these dreams were visions of his, his brothers bowing down before him. This irritated his brothers. And his brothers, in a fits of jealousy, sold him into slavery. And he eventually ended up in Egypt. And it was there that he lived a very miserable life for a while, until a certain set of circumstances allowed him to rise up in authority, and he became number two in command in Egypt, only behind Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And this, I know I'm kind of going through the very short version of this, but eventually leads to a point where Joseph, who's standing in his power and his authority, is standing before the very brothers who sold him into slavery, and he had all the power and all the political authority to have them put to death. Hence the reason they are so afraid. Because they know really what they deserve. If he had them put, down, put to death, they pretty much knew that they probably should expect it coming. But instead, Jesus, Joseph says, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, God, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You see, Joseph was sent forth to Egypt because there was a great famine coming. And through him being there, through those visions and those dreams, he was able to prepare Egypt in order to handle the famine that was to come. And by the way, I don't know if anybody realizes it, how he fought off the famine, what he used. He used taxation. They didn't call it taxes, but it's the same concept. So if you ever think taxes are unbiblical, remember that Joseph did it under the command of God himself. But anyways, 
That's not to go too far into that. <laughs> but, so Joseph, being sent there, saved Egypt. And then it also saved the people of Israel, the sons of Jacob. Through, even though they had done this evil act, selling their brother into slavery, through it, many people were saved. See, this is just a small, a shadow, a type of what is the grand story of all of Scripture. See, all the way back in the beginning of Genesis, there was a promise given to Eve. After they had fallen into sin, God said to them, the offspring of Eve would crush the serpent's head, and he would crush his heel. Now they first thought Cain might have been that offspring. Well, as we know, he murdered Abel. And then there was thought that it might have been Seth. And it wasn't. And then there was this whole flood. And one of the reasons why you can know when the flood is coming, you know that God is going to save somebody is because he gave that promise that there would be an offspring who would crush the serpent's head, and that offspring had not been born yet. So you know that somehow or another, someone was coming out of, alive during that flood. And so it happened. Noah was preserved, and his family, eight persons in all. And then many years down the road, you have Abraham. And then Abraham gives birth to, has his son Isaac in his very old age. And by the way, again, when, Isaac, when Abraham was given the command to sacrifice Isaac, you can, if, because of Genesis 3.15, the promise to crush the serpent's head, you know that somehow or another Isaac is going to end up better. Because there was a promise already that the offspring is through Abraham, through Isaac. So even if Abraham was to kill Isaac, there's a chance that God was just going to raise him from the dead. Abraham trusted in God's promise. And then you had Jacob. And then Jacob has his 12 sons among whom is Joseph, as we had heard in this story, which this is just a, what happened with Joseph is just a small piece. Why does God preserve Israel over all the other people dying from that famine? It's because that young, the, Joseph's brother, Judah, carried the promise, carried the line to the promise that God had made. And through Joseph, Judah and all of their brothers were kept alive. And then they, were led into, they lived enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. You ever think about that? 400 years of slavery. Now we've had slavery in the United States, but it was nowhere close to that amount of time. It was quite a while in our country, but still not 400 years. 
If you ever see the pictures of those pyramids and all that, that's what the children of Jacob, that's what they built under slavery. And then eventually through Moses, God led the people out of slavery through incredible wonders. And eventually there's the reign of the judges. And then you had David who was given a promise that, about his offspring, furthering the promise that was given to, Abraham, to Adam and Eve, given to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Oh, and by the way, you know that whole story about Ruth? You know why that story is so important? She stayed with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and it is through her sticking with her mother-in-law it is in that line that Jesus, but that the promised offspring was to come. And then David would have a son named Solomon, who was the son of also Bathsheba. Yes, that horrible situation where David murdered Bathsheba's wife, husband and had her as his wife. Through her, Solomon was born. And then Solomon had children. And the nation, the southern kingdom was incredibly corrupt. The northern kingdom was corrupt. But the, the northern kingdom was destroyed by the Assyrian Empire to never be found again. The southern kingdom was also destroyed, but it remained. Why the southern kingdom survived and not the northern? Because God was still keeping his promise. The promise of that offspring was in the families of the southern kingdom. Even though they deserved the fate of the northern kingdom, God did not give them what they deserved. And eventually they were in Babylon, in exile. And they were preserved there. And a remnant returned to Jerusalem. And then many years later, in, in the little town of Bethlehem, there was a young woman named Mary and her husband Joseph. And Mary gave birth to that offspring. And he was raised up. And he, was, and he preached incredible messages, performed incredible miracles. But he was rejected. He was arrested Betrayed by one of his good friends. And who is put on trial. There's a whole bunch of crazy false stories given out about him. They spat upon him. Struck him in the face. They beat him with whips. They covered him with a purple robe. So that the wounds that were created by the whips would soak into it. And they could rip the robe right back off. They crowned him with a crown of thorns that they, they crushed it and smashed into his skull. They forced him to carry a 125-pound piece of wood. To give you an idea of distance, it'd be like going, carrying a 125-pound piece of wood on your back from here up to the high school, following the street, not cutting through the grass. That's what it was like. And yes, going uphill was also what he had to do. 
And then he was thrown down, the dirt flying up into the wounds, agitating it. And his hands and his feet, driven in, were nailed into that wood, and he was hung up high. He had nothing on. He was bare naked. All for his utter humiliation. So that everybody that came to Jerusalem would look on and say, I don't want to be that guy. And there he slowly died. He is the one who could, who could say that he never sinned in thought, word, or deed. He never sinned by what he had done and by what he had left undone. He was not by nature sinful and unclean. He was innocent as innocent can be. He is the only person that was ever innocent of anything. And yet he was sentenced to death as a criminal. And he suffered that excruciating death. But as for them, as for you, you meant evil against him, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What man meant for evil against Jesus, against the offspring, as man served as the serpent, biting at the heel, God used it to bring salvation to the world. See, the reality is, is we live in a world with so very many bad things. So much evil happens in our world. It's kind of interesting that this particular Old Testament reading always ends up on the week of September 11th. You can look it up in our Perkabee, our Perkabee's line from September 11th to September 18th for this week. You remember, any of you remember that day? Some of you might be too young, but which actually makes me feel old when I realize that people were too old, too young to have seen it. But I remember that. I was in my first year in college. I even say that, you'll be like, man, that is, he's young too. But, but I remember I was home from class. I had a day off. I played a little bit of Madden on my PlayStation. And when I was done... I, the news went right to the news, and there I saw the smoke billowing out of those that building. I remember watching in awe and terror as to what was going on, and eventually watching as those both of those buildings came crashing down. That is the evil and the terror in this world. This last month, if you have not paid attention to the news. He might be better off because he might be happier. But <laughs> the last month, our news has been absolutely brutal. Go back to August 13th, just a little over a month ago. That is when the Charleston, Virginia thing happened with the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis. And on the other side, you have Antifa, 
who is still working hard and protesting around this country. Very much convinced that a communist government is a good idea. I was hearing Christians saying that that's a good idea. Hint, if you're a Christian, you don't want communism because one of the things they'll make sure to do is kill you because they can't tolerate the existence of Christianity. Communism, by its nature, is atheist. That, there's a reason that Stalin targeted Christians by the millions. And so did Mao in China. You have also in the news, you have wor- speaking of communism, we have North Korea that we're constantly worrying about. Just this last week, they fired a missile over Japan. The people of Japan were told to go into their homes to seek shelter. As we speak right now, there's protesting in St. Louis about a trial that happened. We've had two massive hurricanes within the last several weeks. Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma. And as we speak, Hurricane Jose might be on its way to New York and Boston. Meanwhile, right behind it is Hurricane Lee. And not that far off might be Hurricane Maria. Right in the same area. Right now they're just tropical storms, but they might become hurricanes. We've had earthquakes, fires, which the ones in Montana went out with snow. Rare occasion you actually think, ooh, snow, happy. But (laughs) they've had that. That's an explosion in London. Exhausting, isn't it? Now, I can't tell you why all that happens. But we look at how God worked through history. All the way back to Adam and Eve. Through all those things that led through the flood to Abraham. Through the time in Egypt. Through the time in through the exile, through all of that, through David and Solomon, all of that he worked through to bring about through a 13-year-old girl the birth of, of the Christ. And by that child brought about salvation of the world through a very, very evil event. That is the God in control of our history. That is the God in control of our world. And the satisfying part is not that he's in control, rather that the one who is in control loves you that much. He did not spare his own son, as it says in Romans 8, but gave him up for us all. Through that, he brought the greatest good in the history of the world. You are redeemed. When you see the evil in this world, when you see these horrible things that happen, there are those who use it as an excuse to abandon God altogether. They say, well, there's so much evil in the world, there can't be a God. Which, by the way, if you actually think that through, you, if you cannot acknowledge there's evil and say there's no God. If you say there's no God, then there's no such thing as evil. So when you see something bad happen, like, oh, it just happens. 
It's as significant as eating breakfast. But the fact that you say it's evil acknowledges that you know there's something higher. So when we see those things, we are called, it leads us to repent. It leads us to remember that we are mortal, that this body is going to break, it is going to die. And so we get down on our knees in mercy as we do every Sunday. And actually, actually some churches, they do get on their knees. They actually have kneelers. That's actually one of the reasons we do that. That's why you do it when you come up for communion. You're coming in humility, knowing that we don't deserve to be before him. But we come before, begging and pleading for mercy, much as Joseph's brothers were doing before Joseph, but we even more so before our God, because all this destruction, all these horrible things, is a consequence of our sin. And so we come before him, and he just says, That's, I already took care of it. The blood of my son, that took care of it. You are forgiven. You are washed clean. And by that, you have life. Until that day comes, when we celebrate in the victory where there is no suffering, where there is no evil, Till then and beyond, to him be all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. Please stand to sing, Create in me a clean heart.